Didn't they do a great job? That's right. Well, it is good to be with you this morning, and uh, you know what? I, I walked in, and we have not been in the sanctuary since you've remodeled it. What a fantastic job. Don't you love it? It is great. Besides that, I can sit in that chair, and it doesn't hurt my back. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's great to be with you. Don and I, uh, we enjoy coming and being a part of, of your worship celebrations, and um, I'll just acknowledge Donna is here this morning, and uh, if you don't know Donna, if you call the, the U.S. Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches, our national office, she's the one that will pick up the phone and answer the phone. And we're such a big organization, uh, she does that from our basement. So, uh, <laughs> And we also have, uh, uh, we brought with us my oldest favorite grandson my oldest favorite grandson, uh, Shay. Shay is with us. Uh, we spent some time yesterday together, and uh, he decided, hey, I just want to go on this road trip with Grandma and Grandpa, so we had that opportunity to do it. So we're really glad to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to open to a passage of Scripture that I'm going to be referencing this morning, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 to 13. 1 Thess 5, 12 to 13. Now, oftentimes in, in, in services like this where there is an installation, there is a, a sermon that's preached as a charge to the pastor. But that's not the case this morning, brothers and sisters. We just installed him and charged him. And so this morning, this is a sermon for you. And so I'm sharing this as a charge to you as a congregation, an encouragement to you this morning, and hopefully an encouragement as well to Scott. And you'll see the title, No Room for Sissies, Pastor Scott. And the reality is that pastoring is not for sissies. It's not an easy occupation. It's an occupation that, that in this day and age is less respected, has less authority, and, and uh, in, in all ways is diminished over what it used to be 50, 75, 100 years ago. Pastoring anymore is not for sissies. It's never been, but the reality is, especially in this day and age, and in the direction that our culture is headed, pastoring is a tough thing. Most people think it's an easy gig, but you know what? I've worked in a secular job. I did that for a number of years before I became a pastor. And I know this, I didn't have to, to when I finished my job at 5 o'clock, I didn't have to carry that with me back home. I didn't live it out with my wife and my kids like I did when I'm a pastor. Pastors live their job, their role, their calling 24-7. And it doesn't matter whether they're on vacation or whether they're, they're gone, whether they're, they're out recreating. They are still living their calling as a calling from God. And so there are plenty of days when... I think, you know what, I would love to go back and, and have just regular hours and something that I could walk away from at the end of the day, but you know what, God doesn't allow me to do that because he's placed within me just like he's placed within, within Scott and Mark and, and other pastoral staff this deep desire to serve his bride, the church. That's why we do that. It's why we make ourselves available 24-7 willing to go and to do and to be with people when they're struggling, 
you know, one of the things that I think is, is important is to have a sense of call. Because if you don't have a sense of call that anchors your heart to the task that God gives you, then we as pastors can go adrift when the storms come. Part of the reason for those storms is that, in a sense, all hell is against the pastor. All of hell is against the church. All of hell is against the Christian. But all hell is certainly against the pastor because when the pastor is leading, if the the evil one can attack him, if the evil one can cause him to stumble or to fall, then he has easy access to the rest of the flock. And so it's so important for pastors to be strong in the sense that call. 1 Timothy 3, 7 speaks of a pastor falling into the devil's trap. And a trap is something that you set intentionally to snare. It's something that, that is put there and is, it's a threat. One of the highest priorities that Satan has is to take out the leadership of the church, whether it's the pastor or it's the elders or whomever it may be. There are a lot of ways that happens, and, and one of those really is a quite beautiful thing. One of those is Christ's bride itself, the church. And that's why we need to know how to support our pastors. Because if, if all hell is going to break loose against the pastor, we need to be able to, to know how to combat that. Really what would be best is if we could prevent it. Now, I don't know who said this, but I remember someone once telling me that pastors are already targeted by, for defeat by Satan. They don't also need to be trampled underfoot by God's people. And so my encouragement this morning is for you as a church... And there's some things that I think that Paul hints at in this text that, uh, that we read this morning, or we'll read here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Now, there are three things that I want to suggest are applications that we can pull out of this text. And I'm not going to dig into it and, and, and do a lot of, of exegesis, but I want to help us understand the application because that's what's important this morning. And one of the first things that I think that can be an application comes out of verse 12 where we're told to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. In other words, have a positive attitude towards those people. We don't always agree with the pastor. We don't always agree with the way that the church uh, does certain things. We don't always agree with methods. But I think what Paul is encouraging us here is to lean in to what the leadership, what the pastor is asking us, where he's calling us to go with him. And so Paul says that we ought to acknowledge those who work hard among you. And I think especially when they're demonstrating competence in a variety of areas of ministry among you, when they're caring for you. When they're, when, they're giving, when they're giving leadership to you as a congregation, when they're admonishing you, preaching and teaching. You know, ministers are oftentimes the objects of criticism. And I'm, I'm guilty of that as well as a pastor. You know, I can listen to a sermon and, and the first, one of the first things I do is critique it or, or watch somebody's preaching style and the first thing is, that I do is begin to critique it. Oftentimes what I don't do is listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me about what he said. But pastors are often the objects of criticism. And uh, most of us as pastor types, Scott, you, Mark, Chris, you guys know that that just comes with the territory. It's part and parcel of what it means to be in leadership. But there's a lot that passes for criticism that I think ends up being critical. 
Many of you know where I pastored for, for most of my pastoral life. It was in Hillsborough, Kansas at Parkview MB Church. When I was at Parkview, there was an older saint, a lady, a woman. And she was that. She was a saint. She was a dear, sweet woman. But it was her objective about every six months to come into my office, knock on the door, come into my office, and begin to give me uh, a written list of things that needed to be changed at the church. And a few years after that, you know, going into that, that pattern, at one point I confronted her and I said, why is it that when you come to see me, almost all of the time you have a list of things that need to be changed. And you very seldom have anything positive to say. And her response to me was, she was devastated by me confronting her. She said, but Pastor Tim, I'm only trying to help. And she was only trying to help. But her kind of constant critique, constant criticism was something that eventually just wore and, and began to be negative and not positive. So let me tell you the story of, of another couple old geezers. They were a little older than this old geezer uh, at the time. I was about 20 years younger, but they were older gentlemen who liked to go out and walk together. And so they would go out and they would walk a, a, a couple of miles together. And occasionally when I was out and about, I would see them walking. And they were always just turning and, and talking to one another intently, very intently. And oftentimes, about every three or four months, when they finished their walk, they would end up in my office. Yeah, right, Dwight. It was, it was uh-oh. Because they had some things that they needed to tell the pastor that they didn't like about how things were done. But when they came in, as we engaged in conversation, we would push one another, we would challenge one another. Uh, but at the end, they would always leave saying, Tim... We love you, we appreciate you, and we're for you. And they would, they would leave. I want to tell you, those two gentlemen changed my ministry at Parkview Church probably more than anybody else combined. And it was because of their positive attitude, their willingness to respect, their willingness to honor, their willingness to disagree, but disagree in a way that was helpful and encouraging and, and constructive. And so I share those two stories because... You may see yourself in one or the other of those. And I want to encourage you as, as brothers and sisters in Christ for Scott and Freedom and their family, for Mark and Ann and for Chris and Gina, as you guys encounter them and you have things that you want to see different for the good of the church, be positive. It doesn't mean you can't disagree doesn't mean that you, you can't have something that you'd like to see done better. But the reality is we need to come with a positive attitude. And so this morning I want to encourage you, if, if there's a legitimate matter that concerns a leader, if there's something that's really, really significant, then go talk to the, the pastors. Talk to them personally. Don't talk about them. Don't gossip about them. Go talk to them. Criticism behind the pastor's back doesn't help anybody, neither does gossip. So don't listen to gossip or slander about your pastor. If you hear negative comments, point that person to one of the pastors or one of the leaders. If you hear negative comments, respond with a positive one. 
Balance the table. If misinformation is being spread, correct it. It's amazing the damage that can, can be done to a pastor and to a church if negativism goes unchecked. Jonathan Edwards, some of you know that name. Those of us who have studied at seminary, we know who Jonathan Edwards is. Jonathan Edwards was one of the greatest preachers and theologians in American history. He was used powerfully by God to, to initiate revival in, uh, in our churches. And he was privileged to serve in the same church for 23 years. But though they were hearing from really one of the greatest theological minds at the time, they were unappreciative. And in year 23, there was a, a group who became so negative that they ran him out of church, did everything they could to destroy his reputation. And he ended up his ministry with little more than preaching to around a dozen or a couple dozen Indian people, speaking to them about the very basic things of the Christian faith. And after all that time, all that profound, deep, theological, scriptural teaching, he was moved out of the church that he was serving. Now, here's the, here's the reason I share that with you. Some people could have the greatest pastor of all time, of history at their church, and still be negative. Don't be one of those kinds of people. Second thing that I would suggest to you that, that comes out of the text, Paul says to hold your pastors in the highest regard because of their work. The highest regard. Now, what does it mean to regard someone? Well, I think of, of 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 17, where it talks about paying double honor to those who preach and teach. Now, I, I want you to know that double honor in that doesn't mean double respect, necessarily. That word honor is actually something that relates to financial pay. And so, I would suggest that Scripture tells us we're to pay our pastors appropriately. Now, I don't have any doubt. I have no idea what you're paying your pastors. But I'm, I'm guessing that you're paying them well, that you're compensating them well. So that's one application of respecting, of, of holding them in, in esteem and, and high regard. But to regard someone highly means to care about them, to care for them. And what's the best thing that any of us can do for a person who, that we're concerned for? We can pray for them, right? And so a part of holding in high regard is the life of prayer that you as a congregation have for your pastoral team. A pastor's day is filled with mountaintops and it's, it's filled with valleys. And your pastor needs your prayers. A lot of times there are a whole lot more valleys than there are mountaintops in, in their work. Interestingly enough, the main thing that qualifies a pastor to minister among God's people is his ministry to his own family. That's a very important sign of the ability of a pastor to, to lead the church. 1 Timothy 3.5 says, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So as you pray for your pastoral staff, as you pray for Scott, pray that he would be someone who could teach and lead his own family. But pray for his family. Pray that he would be successful there, first and foremost, in ministering to his family. You know, few families face the kind of pressures and expectations that a pastor's family does. And few pastor's children live in a world that seems caught between two realities than pastor's kids do. And so pray for them. Encourage them in that way. Let them know that you're praying for them. And as God answers that prayer, he'll be qualified to minister in your midst. But neglecting his family isn't the only danger that a pastor faces. He can also neglect his health. He can neglect 
physically what he's doing. Serving a church can drain a pastor's energy. It can drain his spiritual energy. So pray for his spiritual health as well. The work of the pastor can only be accomplished effectively by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so pray that, that, that Scott and Mark and Chris, pray that your staff would be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously, that the power of God's Spirit would rest on them in their work. Pastors face dozens of decisions every week requiring them to make decisions about people's well-being, uh, about the church and, and where it's headed. So pray for his physical health, pray for his spiritual health, pray for his mental health, pray that, pray that your pastors experience the peace that only God can give. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So a pastor leads by example. Pray that, that Mark and, and, and Scott and, and Chris would be good examples as they lead you forward as a people of God. Mark 14, 27 says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. If Satan can bring a pastor down, the work of the church will be compromised. So Satan will do all that he can to attack your pastoral staff. But God is more powerful than Satan, and God works through the prayers of his people. So be a praying people. Be a praying people. Now, I've not heard Scott preach yet. That's one of the things that I'm looking forward to. But I have no doubt that he preaches really good. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't have called him here. Scott's a good preacher. He loves God's Word, and he loves to share that. I'm confident that he knows God's Word well. But there's no power to change lives in the pastor's words, in the pastor's wit, or in the pastor's wisdom. The power to change people's lives comes through the Holy Spirit, who is at work not only in and through the pastor, but in and through you as well. So pray that God's Holy Spirit would live and reside and have power here at Enid MB. Finally, the last thing that I want to share with you is really a very important one. The last part of verse 13 says that we're to live in peace with each other. Now, the church is to take the gospel to all nations, Matthew 28. The gospel has to be the focus of a pastor's work. But you know what? It is hard to stay focused when people are snipping and sniping at one another. It's just hard to do. It's hard to keep your focus and keep moving forward. Do you remember what Jesus' prayer for his disciples was in the Gospel of John? What was it? Help me out. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, what, what did Jesus pray for his disciples? That they would be one. Of one spirit, that they would have unity. And Jesus leaves no room for doubt in his prayer for his disciples that in order for the, the mission of God to be accomplished, the people of God have to do it together. Christian unity is essential to fulfilling the Great Commission. Verbal declaration of the gospel, while it's so important, it's not sufficient in and of itself. There has to be this kind of biblical body language of unity, of believers who are living out what Jesus is praying for in terms of unity together. And so, without unity, evangelism suffers, and the church is kept from fulfilling its purpose, and the pastor is frustrated in his work. So Paul tells us that we can best support our pastor by getting along with one another. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that great? If we get along with one another, that is one of the greatest things 
that a pastor can experience. One of the things that I love is, is in our churches as we travel around, and you guys were doing that this morning, during the fellowship time, to hear that kind of holy hum of God's people connecting. At the end of the service, one of the, the sweetest things that I see in churches is when people gather together and they're just, it's so hard to leave the church because we're connecting with one another. It's life on life. It's, it's love on love. It's encouragement on encouragement. That is so sweet to a pastor's ears. So I want to encourage you as a people to love one another, to, to fellowship together. It doesn't mean that we all have to agree with everything the pastor says or the leadership, or every decision that's made. But it does mean that we need to agree with one another that we resolve we're not going to fight, that once a decision has been made, that, and we're going to do our best to be supportive, to kind of lean in to what the, the church is about and what its task is and what we've been called to do together, and work hard to make it work out, even if it's not my first choice about how things happen. So there you have it, folks. That's a charge for you on how to live, how to support your pastor, how to show respect to him by being positive in how you think, what you say, how you act, to show regard for his ministry by being prayerful, praying for his work among you, his, his work over you, and his, his work before you in preaching, and to show resolve to be at peace with one another, no matter what may come, no matter what kind of divisions or discouragement or, or what kind of uh, decisions have to be made. To resolve to be at peace with one another so that the focus of the church and the focus of your pastoral staff can be on God's purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission, of preaching the Word, and of leading people to Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Scott, I want to ask you to come forward, and, and uh, as you do that, Donna, would you bring that uh, folder here? I think Scott's going to have a brief response, but before he does that, I'm going to present to him his ministry credentials. And so, Scott, come right on up here, brother. There are a couple of things that I want to draw to your attention, which I normally do to our congregations. The first of those is his ministry license, certificate of license. It says, Scott Galloway, Gassaway is duly granted license to the gospel ministry as lead pastor by the Enid Mennonite Brethren Church and the Faith and Life Commission of the Southern District Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches on the 21st day of August 2016. And everybody signed it except for me. Oh, and so, <laughs> We're going to get your signature on it. That would be my signature here. So Scott, it is now official on behalf of uh, Southern District Faith and Life and your brothers and sisters uh, of, of the pastoral family here, I welcome you into uh, pastoral ministry, and I'll present that to you. The last thing I'm going to do before I... I'm legit. He's in. The last thing I want to just reference is some, a document that's called My Pastoral Covenant, and all of our pastors sign it. Uh, if you were paying attention last time I was here with, with Mark, uh, we talked about it, and it's a covenant about how Scott intends to, to live and conduct his, his life and ministry among you, and it's a document for you and for him, and so I would encourage you to, to read it, and uh, if, if you're interested in what it says, Scott's going to have a copy here. Uh, both he and, and Harold have signed it on behalf of the congregation. So, brother, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank I really you. am. God bless <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim. Well, this is a, this is a special day in the life of our church. Uh, now that I'm 
officially installed. Uh, like, like an appliance or something. Uh, <laughs> this, this may be the time you want to purchase the extended warranty package. Uh, I, uh, uh, I know this is a, you know, we, we don't do this very often, you know, gathering all together for a, a single service. And, uh, and I'm sure at this point that some of you, the, the thing that is on your mind is it's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. All right, but I'd, I wanted to take just uh, a few moments. Tim, thank you for that, uh, that charge that, that this really is a, a partnership that we are solidifying uh, today, a partnership that we're beginning uh, I am uh, just grateful for the work that God has done uh, in, uh, in bringing us together. Uh, so grateful uh, for uh, just the, uh, the search committee and, and all the work that, that they did uh, to get us uh, introduced. And uh, uh, Daniel Silk, just uh, so much work. Uh, thank you for all the work you did uh, to, uh, to help... Uh, communicate to, to me about the church and give us a chance to get to know each other. Uh, I, am, I am grateful that, it, that as I step up here into this pulpit, that, that I have confidence that, that I am receiving the baton from just a, a faithful line of pastors, that you uh, as a church were so blessed under the, uh, the ministry uh, of Jay Reisner, and I have heard nothing but good things about him. I, I, I feel like I just have really big shoes to fill, and from what I hear in more ways than one, that's true. Uh, but I, uh, I am so grateful uh, just for uh, the, the work you have done as, as a church to, uh, to really lead the way with elders that have been installed to lead uh, this congregation. Uh, I, uh, I'm already just enjoying the time that I've been able to spend with my, uh, my fellow elders here. Uh, you're, you're blessed uh, to have such godly men leading, so I, I am grateful uh, for their leadership. That today uh, is not a day about, uh, in, in any way, uh, me uh, taking over for them, but me joining along with them. Uh, that they have done just a fabulous job of leading uh, in the interim. And I look forward to, to joining with them uh, in their ministry and in their service. Uh, so I, I think that, that today is, is really a, a day to celebrate what God is doing in the life of this church, how, how the, uh, the search committee and, and all the members of the search committee, I hope that, that you will seek them out and, and thank them for their ministry. Uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult uh, job. Uh, it's a real weighty job. Uh, that, uh, you know, you are representing the church and trying to find uh, a leader from, like, the, the Pacific Northwest where they just legalized weed, or sure, our pastor's not going to be high. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and extending so much trust. Thank those members of the search committee and, and the, the elders who affirmed uh, the, the work of the search committee that uh, when... Um, when I, I was received notice about the, the vote uh, of affirmation for me as pastor here, uh, the thing that, that, that I thought of first is this is really just an affirmation of the great work of leadership of the elders of this church. That, that you as a church body are saying, yes, we, uh, we really trust uh, the leadership that, uh, that our elders are giving and trust God's work through them. So I, I look forward to what it is that, that I'm joining as a part of. 
as I thought about, you know, what is it that, that, uh, that I should really be bringing and contributing this morning? I, I, I thought in, in several different directions, and, and one of the things that I came back to was just the vows that I took before you as your pastor. You know, there, there are words that, that uh, easily can, can roll off the tongue, and, and you know, Tim really said more than I said, uh, just saying I do and I will, but I thought it would be good just to remind ourselves, to remind me what it is that I really have committed to uh, as your pastor. You know, the, the very first thing, you know, the, the question asked, do you profess Jesus as your Savior and Lord? That any skills, abilities, talents that I bring to the table are, are worth absolutely nothing if I'm not in a right relationship with God. We just cannot take this for granted that, uh, that my success as a pastor and ultimately our success as a church, the vibrancy of us as a church is not going to be upon, you know, us having a great facility, us just having great music or, or great programs. It, it really is because we are in vital connection to Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Do you profess present tense, today, Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Not just some event in the past, not just some box that I checked on a card, not just a prayer I prayed, is Jesus today my Savior and Lord? Yes, that's for you too. Is Jesus today your Savior and Lord? Are you looking to Him? Is your trust in Him? Because that is what we need to be a church family. And do you believe that God has called you to this ministry and your acceptance of it is in response to the leading of the Holy Spirit? You know, as we've been around town uh, this week and, and just kind of getting uh, established different things, going shopping, and it comes out in conversation that, that we're from Oregon. And without a, a, a missing a beat, everybody just says, why on earth did you move to Oklahoma? <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll say, first of all, that you know, there were some options in front of us. And my, my wife and I really talked about it. It's like, you know, where is it that God would really have for us to be? And we, uh, I, was, I was telling somebody, you know, this week that you kind of have to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. And this, this guy says, brother, you left Oregon. That was the promised land. <laughs> but the reason we're here, the reason we're here is because God, God has led us here. And, and God, had, God really confirmed that through the love we've received here at EMB. You know, that when, when we came here at the end of May, and we uh, got to meet the search committee and the elders and, and spouses. It, there was just such a warmth and a love and a, a genuineness that, uh, that we just, we, we left and, and we said, wow, there, there is really a high bar set. And, and at that point, we really started praying that God would bring us here, that, that we would be able to, uh, to serve here. And so we are here uh, because God has led us here, and that uh, I was I was asked in my time candidating here, how long do you see yourself at uh, Enid M B Church? And I said, well, uh, my desire is that I would be here 
until I retire or until Jesus comes back or until he calls me home. And so we, uh, we look forward to, to being here, being with you, putting our hands to the plow for the long term because God is the one who has brought us here. Will you respect and be guided by the beliefs, practices, and ministries of the Mennonite Brethren Church? Now, this is part of the process of getting to know you as a church is just getting to know the, uh, the Mennonite Brethren heritage. And as I was, uh, I was reading a little bit of a uh, history of, of the Mennonite Brethren, I came across a, a story that uh, was, was such a, a challenge and an inspiration to me. Uh, it was actually uh, about a woman in uh, 1573, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher her name. Those of you who have the good Mennonite heritage can take me to task afterwards as we eat. Her name uh, is uh, Machen Benz. She lived in Antwerp, and she held firmly to her Anabaptist evangelical faith. She was a wife of a pastor and a mother of five and endured months of torture by those who were trying to get her to relinquish uh, her faith in Jesus Christ. She was uh, such a, a bold proponent of the gospel, such a, a bold declarer uh, uh, of Jesus Christ and that, that a relationship with him uh, is to be happening uh, not, as, not as a result of, of a birth heritage, but as a result of a personal faith in Jesus Christ, that she uh, was sentenced to death. And before her death, they, they wanted to make sure that she would be silent, and so they, they fixed her tongue to her mouth with a screw. And, and as she, she was burned at the stake and her family looked on, lest there be a doubt that she had died in vain, her oldest son, after the ceremony was over, sifted through the ashes and grabbed that screw and held on to it. And it was this. This is the torch I'm receiving, one who must stand boldly for Jesus Christ, one who, who must stand boldly with my, my faith so firmly fixed to Jesus that though they put a screw through my tongue, I will not turn my back on Jesus. And this is, this is a tall task, that, that, uh, a big weight that, that I feel, but it, it's one that, that I know I I'm not alone because I have, I have brothers and sisters who I'm serving with, fellow pastors who I'll serve with, fellow elders who are, who are committed to Christ. And, and may we as a church stand together, not on the basis of a human tradition, but on a living faith in Jesus Christ. And I am so glad to be able to join now that caravan of faith. I, I, I'm so glad I, I can be joining, not, not simply the, the Mennonite Brethren denomination and, and being part of the Southern District here, but Enid Mennonite Brethren Church. That, that, that my heart just, just beat so uh, strongly as I heard those values of gospel people mission. That, that somebody asked me, what's your vision when you come here? And my, my vision is simple. I, I want us as a church to be gospel-formed people on mission with Jesus in the world.
that I want us to work together and, say, and, and, and just seek God's face and say, what does that look like here? What does that look like in Enid? What, what does it look like on, on the east side of town? What does it look like on the, the west side of town? What does it, it look like in our neighborhoods? What does it look like in our schools? What unique opportunities has, has, has God brought to us here that, that aren't available in Oregon, that aren't available down in Texas or, or in other parts of the country? What, is, what has God presented to us here that we can step into, that, that one day we can stand before the throne and Jesus will, will commend us and say, well done, good and faithful servants. And with that, that this question, a final one for me, will you seek to be faithful in prayer in setting forth the scriptures, and in seeking the good of this congregation and those to whom you minister. There's my job right there. That's what I aim to be doing. That's what I want to get better at doing. I want to be faithful in prayer, praying for you, praying with you, that, that that, that our church is clearly led by Jesus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to work at praying. I'm going to try to get better at it. I'm going to be on my knees and and just seeking God's power and and His work in the life of this church in the city of Enid, setting forth the Scriptures. I I, I take that on gladly as my charge, as my duty, my responsibility to, to open God's Word for you, to feed you from the Word of God. To, to, to protect you, to provide protection for you from, from the threats of, of Satan and, and this world and, and the devil by, by the truth of God's word, that I will be devoting my energy, laboring, tires, just getting tired at, at digging into God's word and, and, and setting it before you as not, not me feeding you, but delivering you the food of, that God wants to give to you for your strength, for your encouragement. And seeking the good of the congregation and those whom you minister, I want to love you. I, I, I want you to know my love, not, not, not just as I, I'm up here saying I love you. I, I, I want to be able to, to look you in the eyes and call you by name and say, I love you. That in your homes, in the doctor's offices, and those celebrations of graduation, those times of grief, and say, I love you. That this is what God has called me here to do, to pray, to preach, and to love. And so I want to end with one of my favorite verses of Scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church family, let's run together. Thank you. Scott.
Scott had one request, um, and it was that we would end with this song together, so we want to do that. I invite you all to stand together as we do. Let's just sing, make this our prayer together. Be the 